0: So it was a joy um, tonight to just worship together. I was just thinking this week and in um, Cassie and I's own life that for us, worshiping Jesus through song is like kind of pushing like a reset button almost on our lives. Sometimes things can get kind of so overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? And it's just like when, when we stop and we just focus on Jesus and we just say, you know what? In this next 15 or 20 or whatever, and it, it could be without... Without instruments, maybe you don't know how to play an instrument, but you could you know, turn on music on your phone or spend time just listening for God. But just when we stop and worship Jesus, I feel like it almost allows us to set a reset button on our heart where we just get so amped up and worked up and all of these different things, and we can just say, you know what, God, you're in control. You're in charge. You've got this whole thing figured out. And it allows us to kind of almost, it's like a shower. It's like a life shower for me to just stop and say, you know what, we need to just worship. And just love God and and let him love on us and so I just encourage you guys to do that throughout your week and um, this week take some time to just worship Jesus on a run or however you do that some people it's not music but um, for us it's valuable for us we literally will just grab Cassie's guitar and I'll play my cajon and we'll do this with none of you guys in this room just the two of us and just sing until our neighbors are weirded out by what we're doing and it's fine Um, but just it's really about Jesus so it doesn't really matter but Anyways, tonight, um, I'm not really known for like nine of these and seven of these and three of these. I'm just not that cool, but tonight it just worked out that way, so please don't think I'm cooler than I, um, than I am um, tonight, but it really is good to be back with you guys um, after a much needed weekend away for our seventh anniversary, which is pretty amazing um, and, uh, had a great time in Carmel, but totally missed you guys, and, um, this might actually be our last Saturday, where I know that a lot of you guys are going to be gallivanting around the world, um, or at summer camp, or whatever, this might be actually our last Saturday together with, with all of us, um, so it's just a special time to be here, and, um, I know that you enjoyed Lori a couple weeks ago, and then Pastor Richard again, um, last week, um, and tonight we're going to be talking about, um, I call it everyone's favorite F word. Um, And it's not the one you're thinking of. Um, Finances. uh, Which probably to some people is worse than the other F word. Um, But we're going to be just discussing nine spiritual principles to handle our money God's way. Um, And uh, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. um, But if there's one thing that I've learned as a Christian, it's that God's way is always the best way. Um, And... This doesn't mean that it's the easiest way. It doesn't mean that it's the quickest way. It doesn't mean that it's the funnest way. A lot of times, it's none of those. Um, but in the long run, long, long run, over the course of our lives, God's plans are always, always, always better than our plans. Always. He always knows what He's up to. And as we look at tonight, uh, our Jesus has a plan, a design, and a purpose for our finances that looks so much different from the culture around us. Right? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Wall Street. Um, it's a 1987 film. I looked it up. Um, Gordon Gekko is the main character. And he pretty much describes the American view on money as greed is good. Um, that was the famous line from that film. And that's kind of how America works. Greed is good. More is better. Um, and many of you guys weren't even alive for that film. Um, but that is kind of a guiding principle um, In the United States, is this striving for wealth, striving for more, striving for more items, more things, more, more, more. Um, Ooh, somebody's phone's going off. Um, And there are some sad stats on money in America. I'm going to tell you guys and make you guys really depressed. And maybe they'll fit your own life. Um, But this is from NerdWallet as of 2016. um, The average American household has $29,000 in car loans the average American household. Um, the average American household has $17,000 in credit card debt. Um, yeah. Um, the average American household, this isn't gonna hurt the most, has $50,000 in student loans. Um, the average American household debt is $135,000. Um, obviously that factors in some people who own a home and have a mortgage, but other people who do not. Um, The average American household pays $1,300 a year in interest. Interest. That's not even paying down your debt. That's just interest. And uh, 70% of households in America do not have $500 in the bank for an emergency. 70%. Um, And you would think that the more money you make, the more likely you have $500 in the bank. That is incorrect. Even people who make over $75,000 a year, the number is at 60% of them do not have... $500 in the bank for an unexpected emergency so Jesus in this passage I believe that he steps into the pain and disappointment that we call our wallets and I think that he's going to give us some hope tonight and this is not like a practical step by step this is spiritual guiding principles um, together so I've asked Yvette to read and it is a very long passage so it will take us several minutes to get through this but we're reading out of the New Living Translation. Even if the slides aren't up on the screen, there's Bibles on the table, and uh, Yvette's going to read for us. So, Yes. Verses 4 through 59.
1: <laughs> Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do it more to you after that. I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I'll tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourselves or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Then someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, you made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will not your treasure will be safe, no thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moments he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on a table and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly what a, a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns, but what if the servant thinks, my master will be back for a while, and he, and he begins beating the other servants, hurting, and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared, doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning. I have a, ter- I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace on peace to the earth? No. I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west and you say, here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you are on the way to the court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you
0: won't be free again until you have paid the very last penny. Good job, you. <laughs> so, there's a lot in chapter 12, and unfortunately we're not going to hit all of it this evening. Um, just encourage you to kind of check that out on your own. Instead of What I want to do is take a snapshot of Jesus' thoughts on the world of finances. Um, I love how he, in verses 49 through 51, um, shows that he never shies away from hard topics of conversation like money. I like how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. He says, in Jesus' words, I've come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish it were blazing now. I have come to change everything, turn everything right side up. How I long for it to be finished. Do you think that I came to smooth things over and make things nice? Not so. I have come to disrupt and confront. (laughs) A little bit about Jesus. Um, And I know that for many of us, talking about our money can be tough. um, Either because we don't really feel like we know where to start, or because we feel like the church is after our cold hard cash. Um, And I I just want to assure you of two things before we dive in tonight. One, I will never try to make you feel dumb about how you manage your finances. I realize that all of us are in different places in life and have different backgrounds when it comes to money. Yet all of us have the capacity to learn from Jesus and let Him become the master of our finances. So no matter where we're at in our levels, and even if there are levels, um, that doesn't keep us from this moment forward walking in how God wants us to manage things. And secondly, I will never try to guilt you into giving. Um, generosity for me flows not from pressure or from guilt, but from the Creator tugging at us to give away from the bounty that He has offered us. And as this relates um, to more than just our wallets, God is constantly giving and pouring into us and sharing with us. And, and there's some place where we, we've reached our maximum capacity, right? Sometimes when I'm um, filling up the, the water jug for our... Um, for our fridge, and I'm, I'm filling it up on the counter, I'll walk away, and it'll be filling up, and then all of a sudden I'll come back and there's water everywhere, all over the floor, right? And that's really what God is in our lives. He's that, he's that faucet, right? And He turns it on, and He just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring, and there's some point when we have to let out what God has given us. We have to let it go. Our lives are designed like a water pitcher, like that. They're not designed to be containers, They're designed to be flow-throughs, right? So there's meant to be water put in and water that comes out of our lives. And that's with that, with every part of who we are. With that being said, Jesus, our Savior, He never tries to beat around the bush when it comes to anything that He teaches. He's a pretty straightforward, blunt guy. Um, There's some things in here that I'm glad we're not talking about because they are very difficult and there are many interpretations of those. But... I love that Jesus hits me this way because um, I feel like I have such a lack of focus sometimes in my life that I really need God to smack me like right in the face and just tell me like, this is what I want you to do and this is how I want you to do it. So let's topically, not chronologically, jump into the nine spiritual principles of finances and there could be a million more and a million better ones than what I've got tonight. I'm just sharing with you what God has shared with me. Um, So the first one is, People, not money, comes first. Um, Obviously, of of course, after Jesus. Like, let's set Jesus on top, and then, you know, people come first. So, in verse 7, Jesus clearly says that our God literally knows the numbers of hairs on our heads and puts the greatest value in us as human beings, right? He says, of all the creatures, of all the things that I've created, of all the things in this earth, human beings are the most important to me, right? Um, And so if if our God shows us that his creation is his focus, right, is his passion, is his number one, then shouldn't that be our focus and our passion? He doesn't say like, you know what, humans are great, but I really love cherry trees better, right? Or humans are great, but um, great white sharks are better, Um, as ridiculous as that might sound. Um, And this should be our aim as well. We should put people and their needs above our own financial gain right and so this might mean for us instead of talking trash about a coworker or to a supervisor so that we can get the promotion or so that we can look better right that that maybe we uh care for people with the love that god has for us and we just let god open the doors that he's going to open for us right let him be our advocate let him be the one who opens things for us instead of us getting i just imagine it kind of like a a firefighter there's like a fire and they got the big you know uh hatchet, and they're like taking down a door. Sometimes we think that we need to do that with our finances and with our careers. And and God's the one who opens and orchestrates, not us. Um, Verse 34 says, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And so where we are invested, what we're invested in, that's what we really care about. Right? We can say, oh, I really care about this, or I really care about that, or I really want to be about that. But if our investment isn't in that, then we really don't care about that. Uh, we care about wherever we put our, our money. Um, second, uh, God, not our jobs, are our provider. Right? So again, Eugene Peterson in the message, um, in verses 29 through 31, he says, what I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Right? I love that, that word that he used, steep yourself. I think of it like a cup of tea, Right? that there's a patience involved. Right, I when I want tea and it's cold outside, I want it now. I want to be able to like stick the tea bag in there and like drink it immediately. Right, but you need to give it time to steep, to let those flavors be infused. Right, and that's how God works. God rarely, for me at least, works like instantaneously. It's very much a process. And it's like, okay, God, I'm waiting on you. Like, I'm waiting some more. I feel like I've been waiting a long time. Like, how's this thing going? Right, um, but. Um, as we, God knows, uh, exactly what we need and when we need it. He knows even better than we do. And just as we steep ourselves in good tea, like I said, it takes time and patience, but I believe that God will come through, right? He'll come through. He always knows the correct timing and the correct thing for us. If we just trust him instead of our, our jobs or our, how much money we have in the bank or how many things we have, right? Third, when we put God first, he will take care of the money part. Right? When we put God first. So Jesus, in this passage, he describes a new way of looking at life where we spend less time focused on money and things of this world and food, he says, which is a really hard one for me. I'm always thinking about, what's my next meal? Uh, when we were in Carmel, I was like, I was on Yelp. Like, okay, I... We're here for three days, and I better find, like, the best places. I don't want to waste any meals on, like, mediocre food. I'm definitely not going to any, like, chain restaurants. Um, But he says we should spend less time focused on those times, things, and that we should pursue what he calls rich relationship with God. Right? Rich, deep, um, heavy, passionate, powerful relationship with God. And as we pursue God wholeheartedly, He says, "Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need." right? So if we put God in His rightful place, if we let God be God instead of whatever He is in our lives, um, you know, like, God, you're God, but like if I need something, I'm just going to have to do this myself, right? But if we put God in His rightful place, if we seek Him above all else. He will give us everything we need. He will provide for us, right? Think about Jesus's life. Jesus didn't have a job. He didn't like work. He wasn't, you know, he didn't have a four hundred and one k. He didn't, uh, you know, go to college. He didn't have all of these things in the rightful order. It says that he didn't even have any place to lay his head. He didn't have a house to live in. But everywhere he went, him and his disciples were provided for. Right? We see these amazing miracles of even just. Uh, God providing provision for those who are even just coming to listen to Him, to receive His message, right? He constantly is taking care of us as long as we put Him in His rightful place. Um, When God comes first, everything else falls into its rightful place in our lives. Fourth, greed is not good. Jesus says in verse 15 about as clearly as possible, Beware! Beware! Guard against every kind of greed. There must be lots of kinds. I I don't know. I mean, greed is greed. But life is not measured by how much you own. This is like 100% countercultural to everything. Like I I drive down 99 and I drive down five to work and back and I see these amazing billboards and now they have them where they, they change. They scroll. It's not just like one message for like a month. You get like a million messages. So every time you go by, it's like, you need these pair of shoes or you need to go. Now it's like, you need to go to this concert or you need to have this bank account or you need to buy this car, right? We're constantly bombarded Around us, we don't watch commercials on TV anymore, but I mean on the radio and all that kind of stuff. Um, We're bombarded by this idea of greed more, more, more. I need more, I need to consume. More, right? That if we have more money to buy more stuff, that we'll be happier, we'll be healthier, right? We'll have the right workout equipment, we'll get the shake weights we need, um, we'll be better, we'll be fitter, we'll be hotter. Like if I just get this one outfit, I'm just going to look so good, and I'm going to find myself, you know, a husband or a wife or whatever it might be. Um, but Jesus says the opposite that our lives are not defined by what we own, right? Uh, we can't take it with us. At some point, this physical body will die uh, or Jesus will return. And all of this stuff that we've worked so hard for, it doesn't go with us, right? Um, I have a guy that I work with and, and uh, he's a great guy and he—he and, and uh, he just just an incredible guy. And, and he has this, this this house and he's got all, every toy you can imagine. He's got boats and jet skis and RVs and four-wheelers and every kind of toy. He's got this big old property. And you can just, you know, imagine. He, now he has to run. His life is just running, 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 running. He's working all the time. He never gets any time to even use these things. All this time is just working so that he can pay for the things that he doesn't even have time to use, right? And that's kind of how our lives end up being, um, is we pursue greed and then we can't even enjoy it. Number five. God, not money, is number one, which I think is related to number three. So, um, five, one, and three, kind of all these numbers mixed together. Again, I semi-quoted it earlier, and Jesus says in verse 21, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Right? And I know that we all know people in our lives, and maybe we've even been those people, who have good jobs, nice clothes, money in the bank, right? They've got everything all figured out. Maybe they've even got a, you know, uh, it goes beyond our finances. Maybe they've got a, a really hot wife, right? Or a really hot husband, right? They've got it all together. They've got everything you think. They've got all their stuff figured out. And you just, you look in their eyes, and you just see they are so lost and so broken and so without joy and without Jesus. And if you have all of these things, but you have not Jesus, and it doesn't really even matter, right? Um, only when we pursue rich relationship with God can we truly find a good life of love that we were created for. Only when we have rich relationship with God, I think of rich relationship with God. It, it always everything always comes back to food for me. Um, like, a, it's just, sorry. It's like it's like a good piece of chocolate. Um, you know, I not like Hershey's or like whatever garbage they sell in the grocery store, but like a good like C's piece of chocolate and you put it in your mouth and you don't like chew on it, like eat it real fast. You put it in your mouth and you just let it like melt slowly in your body, like slowly digest. I don't know if you guys ever do this about chocolate, but it's like a real relationship with God is like, it's like our our lives without God, it's kind of like, maybe it's like a Hershey's chocolate bar, okay, but like. Like a C's chocolate bar is like, okay, this is rich. I get to taste it. I get to enjoy it. Ah, it's just like a good meal. I, I can't even describe it. Sorry, that's, that was a bad metaphor. But for everybody who likes food, you don't understand. not understand. Um, six, money is meant to be an internal, eternal investment. Our money is meant to be an eternal investment. Jesus says, um, this is pretty tough, sell your possessions. Just sell them all off. Give them to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven, I love this imagery, the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. I've never had a purse. I don't really know if they get holes in them. But uh, I did have a golf bag in my garage, and it had a granola bar inside of it, and I found out that I had a mouse in my garage because it chewed a hole through my golf bag, right? And so if I had all my golf balls in there, or, or money in this metaphor, and I took them out on the course and I tried to carry them around, they would just fall out of my bag, right? So that's kind of the imagery that God is giving us about what we have in our finances. If we invest it, um, if we give it away, if we share it with others, if we... If we invest in the kingdom of God, um, then then no moth can destroy it and no thief can steal it because this is an internal investment that is going to lead to people who have given their lives to Christ. Right? That we can take with us. No amount of money can we take with us. Right? Um, when we invest our finances not just in our own desires but the needs of others, Jesus says that our investment produces a heavenly treasure. Right? Um, and Cassie and I, we've always tithed, uh, even when we really had nothing. <laughs> we had like no money. We were in ministry, um, but as we've grown in our earthly wealth, and we're not rich by any, we sometimes we joke now like, we feel so rich. Like, where do? We, how did this even happen? Um, but we've always made sure to invest in heavenly projects. We've always made sure to invest in missionaries. We've always made sure to invest in things that God is doing around the world, in our friends in AIA. Um, because we believe that that is an earthly, I mean, that's, a, that's an eternal reward, not something that we're going to spend here on earth, right? Um, we know that their tax break is not the point, but the work of the gospel is the eternal treasure. Right, I always get those people in church like, I go to the church because I get to write off on my taxes. You've got that all <laughs> wrong, man. If there was no tax break, you better still give your stinking money to Jesus because he's worth it. right? Um, Alright, number seven. Almost there. God knows exactly what we need. This is related to number two. Verse 28 says, And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Ouch. I feel like I'm constantly that guy who has so little faith that Jesus is talking about, right? Um, I always feel like I'm a little bit empty, a little bit short on faith. Okay, God, like, uh, you know, I just don't feel like I have faith about that. But God asks us to trust Him to come through even when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, right? Even when it looks like all the doors are closed, you know, everybody's gone home for the night, all the lights are off, right? Right? Um, God asks us to trust him, right? Because he knows exactly what we need. And this made me think of, uh, we used to take uh, mission trips to Mexico with teenagers, and uh, our teenagers didn't have any money. So, like, we would literally only charge them for, like, the food they ate and, like, gas in the van and, like... That's it, right? And so whatever ministry we did, if we were gonna build a church or we were gonna help somebody build a house or we were gonna do VBS, like we had to raise that money. Like the kids weren't paying that. And I remember like preparing to like ask people f- to invest in this, and I'm like, God, you're gonna be so cool. Like the first week I go up and I share with people, they're just gonna give a whole bunch of money and it's gonna all be done, right? And we'd have to raise like three thousand or four thousand. It was a lot of money. And it would like the first week would come and go and it'd be like fifty bucks. Like I'm like come on, God, like, what is going on here, man? And I would stress out. Like, I'd be, like, literally in my office, like, oh, God, like, we're going to just go there and, like, have food to eat, but we're not going to do anything because we have no money. And I remember, like, after two or three years, I'd see that same kind of pattern where it'd be, like, God would wait until, like, the week before, and then somebody would come up to me and be like, hey, uh, I got my checkbook. Like, how much do you need for that? Because, like, my wife and I would just want to write a check for the rest of it. And I'd be like... Like like we need like fifteen hundred bucks. Like oh, it's not a big deal. I'll just write the check right now, you know. Or I'd have people who would, like come up to me right before we're leaving. And they would be literally like sticking twenties like in my pockets. I'm like I can't take this. It's not the right way to take money from you, but uh, thank you. Um, and God always came through. And then by the end of I think I took like seven or eight of these things and led them and all that stuff. But but then it was like. Okay, hey God, like we're a week before, and we don't have any money, but like you've done this before, I've seen this happen before. Like you're going to take care of it, right? And that's how He works in our lives. He develops that faith within us that we see God. One miracle happen, and then we're like, okay, God, like have a little more faith. And then we see another miracle happen, and we're like, okay, by the time we've seen a few of them, it's like, God, we just know you got it, right? We know that you're going to take care of it. All right, number eight. God trusts us according to our faithfulness. Verses 42 and 43 say, A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give responsibility of managing his household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that his servants have done a good job, there will be a reward. Our God knows what we can handle and often, but not always, gives us according to our ability to steward his resources. They belong to him anyways. Um, He... I think sometimes we wonder why we don't have more and God is asking us to be faithful with what we've already, he's already entrusted us with, right? Like, oh man, God, that guy over there, he's got like a lot of stuff, man. And God's like, I mean, you could have that too, but also like, why don't you be good with what I've given you and then I will give you more. That's godly principles. Is And it doesn't mean that we're going to be wealthy. It doesn't mean like, we 're not like talking about okay god like if i if I drive around my crappy Honda like five years from now if i 'm a good steward you 're going to drop like a BMW in my driveway okay that 's not how God works, but if we 're faithful with litter, little God will continue to bless us and take care of us um, until then He cannot and will not trust us with more um, if we 're not trustworthy with what he 's already given us, and finally, number nine. If we've been given much, which every American has been given much, okay, we are wealthy. What we make in one day is more than so. what some people make in an entire month, or in two months, or in three months, okay, there. poverty here is different. Um, we have cable TV and stuff. Um, but if we've been given much, we are expected to accomplish much, right? It makes me think of Spider-Man, um, I love that line. With great power comes great responsibility. Essentially, verse 48 is that passage. So, Spider-Man ripped it off from Jesus. But um, I think that God tonight is asking us, what will you do with what you've been given? Uh, And in so many ways, more than just money, we as Christians have been given so much. So much. We've been given eternal hope and joy and peace. Uh, We've been given the good news. Right, and we are—we live in one of the wealthiest places in the entire world. Like, we've been given so much that we can give away. Um, and so instead of just hoarding, like it talks about, you know, I, I, my crop is so big, I need to tear down my barn and I need to build a bigger one. Right? That's like somebody who's like, I live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house, and now I've got more money. I need to buy like a five-bedroom mansion. Right? I need to live on like 17 acres and have a basketball court and a tennis court and a. You know swimming pool right I need to st- I need to keep up with the Joneses right instead of that, our Lord calls us to be generous people in every areas of our life lives, including the hugely important area of our finances. Um, I believe that if we entrust our money to God, that He will produce a huge harvest of eternal impacts through our lives um, so that being said.